0: It's the Locked On Podcast
1: Network, your team every day.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. All right, welcome on to a playoffs slash lottery slash what the hell are these... Teams that lost in the offseason, going to do edition of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast. And I guess we we should probably start with the lottery and just the overall implications of of that, John. It was relatively chalk, uh, but big winners and losers, uh, other than obviously Detroit and Houston being at one and two.
1: Yeah. So I would say Golden State was probably a winner because they got the Minnesota pick rather than having to push it back a year and probably ending up lower. I mean, it was theoretically possible they could end up at four, but that was a little bit of a pipe dream. So to get this pick, I think, is really good for them because now they have uh, they're looking at seven and 14. Is that right? Uh, yes. And you and you have Wiseman, and you have a large trade exception. I mean, they are looking to surely throw all these assets together and get more immediate talent for this team to make like one final push with this Splash Brother axis. Because I, well, I think so, last, so
0: it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry,
1: I think last year showed that even with Clay being back, that that status quo is not good enough.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So I don't think they actually have a trade exception now. They used the, the Iguodala one on, on Ubre. Oh, you're correct. You're but, correct. But maybe yeah. maybe they could get another one. When they sign Oubre, and trade Oubre. <laughs> sign yeah. and trades elsewhere. Um, yeah it d- does not appear that uh those sides are particularly interested in reunion although perhaps that could change if Oubre's market were to dry up because I was as I went through it earlier I didn't really see the team that was uh champing at the bit to offer him more than the mid-level exception but you know maybe, maybe that'll change I don't know what uh, the opinion of him is I think this year probably hurt his value to some degree and but so what what do these guys need um because they are they're kind of making noises right now i mean it could just be a smoke screen of like Oh, yeah, like we can't afford to trade for another veteran and we're just going to try and still keep these guys around and develop them with Wiseman and and 7 and 14. You know, Joe Lacob had an interview with uh, your colleague Tim Kawakami that sort of implied that, although, again, you know, who knows how real that actually is. But you know, what do they need? What could they realistically get? Because I don't it doesn't seem like they have the ammo to trade for a star necessarily even if such a player were to become available which it doesn't seem as the case right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're so the the dream scenario I think is that Damian Lillard becomes available and you you know and then you package all this stuff that you have together like li- literally literally everything that isn't nailed down that Wait, is
0: Wait, so Damon stuff together?
1: Yeah, baby. <laughs> Let it rip.
0: Oh, uh, that that uh, the, the I I would be very surprised if that happened. Okay, okay. We're, we're, but and, and we're I we're getting I also, we're getting
1: we're getting deep into conjecture, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you said you, well, here you you called them getting the number four pick a pipe dream. That was, they, that had a nine percent chance of happening. <laughs> this is, if, if that's a pipe dream, what is Gabe Willard and, and Steph Curry on the same team? <laughs> um. All right. Well, all right. Well, let's so,
1: let's 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 walk let's walk this back a little i
0: all right well you're yeah, you're looking
1: so, you're looking yeah. for a star player to become unhappy and it, it happens every off season right that that some guy decides he doesn't want to be there anymore and his name gets out there and you know maybe golden state can then be the team that packages assets and the wiggins contract and brings back somebody who's you know a all-star-ish caliber forward
0: yeah i i mean that that would be the ideal but it, w- without that you know that they, they don't have much in terms of matching salary. That's why I think the Ubre potential sign and trade to get the trade exception is big. Um,
1: now Lo- Looney Looney plus Wiseman gets you to like eighteen that you can bring. Oh back, yeah, right?
0: yeah. Okay, that's that's not nothing. Um,
1: and then these picks, if you sign them and then trade them a month later, you can get to a pretty good number.
0: That's a good point too. Now I just I don't I don't see them moving Wiseman for just like a starter on the wing. Now I'm I might consider doing that if I were them. I'm just pretty low on Wiseman's potential, particularly after the injury. I mean that also. is in theory selling low on him but like is his is his trade value going to go up next year when because they're clearly going to bring in some kind of another center like i don't know if he's even going to start next year he him playing i'd be shocked shocked
1: if he starts next year
0: yeah yeah i mean you can't rely on him to start next year like he may not even be ready for the start of camp uh, yeah. and he killed them this year and he can't play with Draymond. So well, maybe that could change, but he's he's got to get so much better defensively and so much better as a shooter, I think for, for that to be the case. Uh, so, you know, they're going to bring in the center. So now playing like some bench minutes, you know, 15 minutes a game with Jordan Poole on the second unit, that's going to like increase his trade value for next year. You know, I, like it still is, quite, people are like, oh, you don't, they're saying the same thing about Ben Simmons right now too, right? Of, oh, well, you don't want to, you don't want to sell low, right? And okay that's the same thing that uh brian colangelo was saying about jill okafor and nerland's noel too and hey big surprise like if there's a reason that his trade value is down that reason could continue to be the case and then it's going to get even lower you
1: yeah you you left out andrea bargnani yeah um <laughs> the uh the, i i think that's a, i think that's absolutely true yeah the you know, Wiseman. I I think they reached for him on draft day because he was a center, and they were thinking we need a center, but they they didn't need this center. And so I think they outsmarted themselves a little. And now you just have to play this hand for what it is. So you know, are you th- 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 this is this is what they're dealing with right now. They they're, they're probably they're probably not going to get a hundred cents on the dollar for for Wiseman now, especially if you think he's still going to be good, but. You need to maximize this season, you know, where where you're you're at the tail end of the prime of Steph, Clay, Draymond, and then, you know, you're getting into a very unknown area after that, and you're probably going to be bad regardless of how these picks pan out. The Wiseman plus 7, plus 14, plus, oh, let's not forget Smiley, too, and so that... That's just what the situation you're in. Every team faces it, right? It's kind of the the natural up and down cycle. So you got you got to max out what you have right now, and that that's going to involve putting these uh, picks and players in play. I think the the thing that gets interesting is can you do a deal like this to trade for somebody who's like already good and in his third season?
0: Yeah, that's a, that. That would certainly be a, a, a hope, uh, particularly because of their tax. I think you make a really yeah, good point the thing. there, though. Yeah,
1: and how much how much can they spend for this team?
0: I mean, you'd think they could spend as much as they spent last year. Um, you know, so that like the the Oubre salary spot is expiring. You'd think that they would at least be able to replace that. Um, but I think you, to go back to something you said earlier that I think was a really good point is they whiffed on James Wiseman. Like to me, okay, James Wiseman, he might be a solid player. Might be a decent starting center down the line. I mean, Joe Lacob did say in that interview he thinks he's going to be a future all star. I, I mean, I just, as bad as the circumstances were for him and as good as he could look at times athletically, I think just watching him, his feel was so bad that I just felt like there's no way that this guy can be a future, you know, one or number one or number two. Like maybe it happens, but I think the odds of that are low enough because that was the idea, right? Okay, we got the number two pick. At least, you know, yeah, if the whole Seth and Clay and Draymond, when they're gone, like this guy will be around. This guy will be like our future superstar that's gonna propel the next era of Warriors basketball. I think that ship has sailed on James Wiseman. Uh you know, so I don't it,
1: I don't I don't think that ship ever floated.
0: Right. But I, I mean, even if you even if you were a big believer in him, I think you've seen yeah. enough to just be like, Man, this guy just looks so lost on the offensive end too, right? I mean, he's sort of like he's like hitting buttons on the controller, but he just has like no feel for where the defense is, or like, you know, he's and so yeah, could he turn into a useful player? Like, I would say that the odds of him being as good as DeAndre Ayton is right now are you know lower than fifty percent, right? And even DeAndre Ayton, you know, he's a solid complementary player, but if he's your best guy, you know, you're not doing much, right? Like, I don't yeah. to, for James Wiseman to be that foundational piece, you're. Seeing him as like this is the guy that we're going to throw the ball to Jokic and bead style and he's going to go out and kill you right so if he's not that and he's not a future defensive player of the year which i don't think he's either of those pretty obviously at this point yeah then I'd, move him uh, yeah. like, like you got to yeah. maximize this year like you're not mm-hmm. having james wiseman and the 7 and the 14 pick this year as your foundation three years from now who the hell cares you know like you're gonna be bad you're gonna it's gonna be all about the draft picks that you're gonna get when you're bad three years from now you're just gonna have to deal with that like they had a chance maybe to sort of get someone in lamella who could have both contributed now and help them in the future they didn't get that and so i think you just move the assets that you have and try to get two more years here with staff where you're really in championship contention because the alternative is not really that sexy i agree um Most protein bars are awful. I like to work out. I've tried basically all of them. And before Bilt Bar, I'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all going to taste like a rock quarry. But now, with 18 amazing flavors, the improved Bilt Bar is even more delicious. There's six new flavors, Caramel brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bar Sia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. Of course, there are classics like Raspberry, Peanut Butter, Double Chocolate, Peanut Butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That makes a huge difference. By the way, they're soft and easy to chew, but they're still great for the Health conscious person. For example, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, five grams of net carbs. Great for a keto diet. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase. while well, supplies last Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code locked15 for 15% off at builtbar.com Today's pod is also brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Locker room, rebranded now. They got bought by Spotify. Spotify Green Room. John and I jump on there two eastern 11 pacific when we record usually on wednesdays danny larue and i host a a room as well six eastern three pacific on tuesdays it's a great place to jump in talk sports banter back and forth tell me why my tweets are terrible whatever you want to do feel free to jump in on spotify green room both with me and john and also with danny and me we'll see you there that's probably enough warriors on this though yeah um you know another thing that occurred to me is okc they this is about the worst possible outcome for them their pick goes down they don't get that houston pick that they had a 48 percent chance of uh for them to be sitting at with just the sixth pick the swap rights with houston like it's not like that rolls over to next year they have plenty of other picks but at six Unless they want to use, I mean, maybe they try to use some of these many future picks to move up from six. They might consider that if there's someone that they just yeah. love there, if they want to kind of accelerate things. But assuming that they don't do that, I think this means that they're, it's going to be Tank City again there next year.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. It's a, you're right. It's disappointing. You had a best case scenario of ending up at 1-5 and five, and instead you're 6-18. and 18. So that's that's pretty disappointing. Uh, I do think as they look at their scenario, big picture, that they should be always looking to move up in every draft basically for the next six or seven drafts just because yeah. they have so many picks. They'll never be able to use them all. They'll never be able to keep all the players on the roster even from the picks they use. So, you know, you got to try to move up from six with 16 and and 18 you got to try to if you can't do that you got to try to move up from 16 and 18 and get yourself to 11 or 10 or whatever like you got to keep doing that at every level of the draft i think for, for all these drafts that they're in i wouldn't be crazy about doing it with future picks though because i think those future picks are always chips that they can use when like if there's some star that becomes available when they're ready to push the button uh to to do that type of thing in this rebuild they have more assets than anybody else by far right Like they could do the Paul George trade twice over. So I think you always keep that option open, but you're trading present picks to move up. I, th- I think you're doing that in every single draft if you're
0: OKC. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it depends what the value of that is because obviously any team that they're trying to move up with is going to make them pay through the nose, right? Knowing that they yeah. have all this stuff. Ah, what's another twenty twenty six pick? Just throw it in. Come on. Yeah. If you really like this guy, we're going to make you pay, right? So they could run into that. I'm a little bit less worried about the idea of like, oh, they're going to have three first-round picks, like they're going to run out of roster slots. That's fine because only one of those three or two of those three are going to work out every year anyway so you know if guys just don't work out then all right that's just the cost of doing business that's that's how it works that's kind of the whole the whole trust the process thing but i think just in terms of getting their own pick like they they will want to again try to assure themselves getting a premium you know what one of those premium picks like that they, they needed to get if they had had shea and then another guy that they viewed as a future superstar after this draft then maybe they could start kind of throttling it forward from a competitive standpoint but i don't see that happening i think they want to yeah. still have because their own pick is the one that they control as far as like you know really being able to potentially get a superstar in the draft with their own pick
1: exactly and the one thing i will say for okc i don't see this as the draft where you know this this is not the the lebron carmelo draft right (laughs) like the the top of the board this year is pretty flat in 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 terms of the drop off from picks when you do one two three four five six i think um i I think there's a little bit of a cliff when you get to about nine but short of that I, i think being being somewhere in the single digits is basically fine
0: yeah um, any other kind of implications that really stood out to you about this lottery, Toronto? You know, should we talk about them?
1: Toronto, ro- yeah, very interesting. I mean, bravo to them for pulling the plug on their uh, w- what was likely to be an ill-fated uh, playoff run anyway. And now they're in a they're in a pretty good situation here where they can add the fourth pick to. Uh, Nucleus of Van Vliet, Ananobi, Siakam, uh, you know, maybe Boucher, maybe Trent on top of that. They are going to have cap room. Uh, the fourth pick is going to cut into that a little bit, but still, uh, so I think they're in a good spot to say, okay, we can we can turn the page now. We can we can let Kyle Lowry go or do a sign and trade with him with a clear conscience. And no, we're we're moving forward into the next area, next era. Excuse me. And we have at least one high lottery pick out of it. And even if we're decent this year, it's not going to screw us from from ever moving forward because because we at least have one guy right.
0: Yeah, I mean, who, so who is the guy they're probably going to get it for?
1: That's interesting. I mean, it depends how the top half of the draft goes, but it it looks like I mean, Jalen Suggs seems to be the most likely guy. If you if you think Cade Green and Mobley are one, two, three in some order, then Suggs is the consensus number four. Uh, I'm I'm a little lower on him, but I, I'd say he's he's a likely guy there. I think Scotty Barnes is going to be a really interesting guy for them uh 69 uh combo forward handles the ball it's like a like a point guard version of OG Ananobi almost um and but like who can who can guard fours and occasionally fives at the other end like he's he's really interesting as far as his defensive talent and uh ability to kind of be a slasher and creator on the ball uh so we'll we'll see how they go i should mention Jonathan Kaminga too although i'm a little lower on him i mean he's been in the top 5 on people's boards most of the year so there's there's a few different directions they can go. It's going to be interesting to see how they choose to do this. I don't see them trading to move up because I don't see what they would trade.
0: Yeah, because they've kind of got guys who I, who obviously like Van Bleet. And Ananobi, those guys could, like, really help a team that's trying to win now, but there, there isn't necessarily that team above them. I mean, they do have all their own picks, but... um, Because yeah, kind, of, kind of what I'm thinking is, like, what is this auger for the direction that they're going to go in now? Because they are in this situation where they've got these, kind of, these guys who were you know, a 50-win team a couple of years ago, but Lowry is probably gone. Uh, so would they... Can they draft a guy if Suggs? It sounds like Green is not going to fall to them. So, I mean, it probably will be Suggs because it seems like they're pretty high on Mobley, too. Um, That would be interesting also to talk about Cleveland and, like, Jared Allen's future if they draft Mobley. But um, if that's the guy who's there, which it seems like it might be. But so let's say it's Suggs they desperately needed like that main guy in the perimeter Van Vliet can play the two just fine like is Suggs someone who could have a Ja Morant type of impact where they're like okay you know we're gonna be in the lower end of the playoffs we're gonna start this guy at point guard hopefully just continue to build around him with these other guys that we have we'll sign a center with our remaining cap space and like that'll be a decent starting group but we're still young enough to continue to evolve and Suggs in three years could be good enough that like we're back in the mix in the east do you think that it could be the play or is it all right now we got Suggs let's continue the rebuild let's move on from Van Vliet and Ananobi and possibly Siakam and just totally tank it for a couple of years get a bunch of draft picks from those guys and try to get another couple of studs to pair with Suggs if it is Suggs
1: I think it's more the former I do the one thing I wonder about I do wonder if they would listen on uh Siakam for Ben Simmons
0: huh <laughs> that right. yeah, the two guys who had no business making second team All NBA uh, and, <laughs> right. and got ridiculous races out, out of it that have yeah. now made their contracts terrible traded for one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like how how do they have these contracts and not Jason Tatum? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's 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 pretty pretty bad, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the the voting was not great that that year. Um, But yeah, yeah. That's I mean. So, but you don't personally see Suggs as like that type of job, Morant sort of prospect. It sounds like.
1: No, I don't. I don't. I think I think I think John Morant would be a pretty clear number 1 in this draft. Yeah.
0: But if you're if you're Masai Ujiri, are you going to like are you trying to rebuild? Are you trying to just kind of keep this group together again and just say, "Hey, last year was the year from hell and these guys are all pretty good together and we got a great coach." I think- they got Gary Trent to bring back, too.
1: I think you try to. I think these guys are all in their twenties, so you try to keep it going, see what you have this year, and see if. I mean, it was a weird year, obviously for Toronto last year with the, um, you know, having to play in Tampa and uh, the. I mean, just the last year was weird enough for everyone, but I think for the Raptors it was especially trying. So I, I think you. Ha- you run it back again. You add the number four pick. You kind of keep your powder dry, I think. Like you, re, you resign Trent. Maybe you make. Maybe you do something with that cap room, but maybe you hedge your bets a little bit.
0: Um, yeah, they, they got to get it. They got to get a starting center in there. But they, yeah, they've got Boucher exactly. as a backup. But they need someone with a little more beef who can yeah. be a little, little better than Aaron Baines last year.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so. I, I think that's the direction you're going with this if you're Toronto. And then I, the only thing I wonder about when they look at that the number for Siakam where they owe him $106 million for the next three years, if they look at that and go, yeah, we might have got in a little over our heads there. Maybe we... You know, maybe we need to move on from that or at least listen on that. But I I think it argues for them to be a little conservative and at least till mid-season see what they have with these guys playing in Toronto with a number four pick and a real center and see what that looks like before you reach for the dynamite.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, your probably high-end outcome on that is like a six seed maybe? I mean, they...
1: That's what they were looking at originally, and they ended up piecing together a championship in, in a couple years, right? With the Lowry-Derozan team. So I think I, I think in their situation, I think you still you, you try to be good, and you you kind of you know look for opportunities to pounce. And if it just turns out that this configuration is just a thirty-win team, even playing in Toronto, then then you feel you feel like you you gave it a fair shot. You, you reach for the dynamite and these guys are still going to have value
0: yeah I, well if they're on pace to be a 30 win team then obviously Siakam is looking absolutely toxic you know I think Ananobi and Van Vliet are always going to have value but Boucher in the last year of his deal maybe you can can move on from him as well the opportunity cost there is you know maybe you win enough games in the first half of the year that it's tough to get back into the high end of the lottery uh if you move on from guys at the trade deadline and I mean they certainly are quite experienced at tanking right now, so they they could try that again yeah. and try and get up as, there.
1: As 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 somebody whose whose team went four and thirty one over its final thirty five games one year, I,
0: I think it is possible. Well, here's actually an interesting <laughs> with, thought too. With the right with,
1: with the right commitment.
0: <laughs> from from what we saw this year. Uh, is that it seems like if you're committed in the second half of the year, you'll be able to get into the top seven or higher because everybody else is going to be pushing hard for the play-in. Everyone, you know, like you're.
1: Oh, to get in the, the top seven of the draft. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so you're like, and that's what they did this year, right? Like they mm-hmm. they were even as of like probably three weeks left in the season, they were kind of in the play-in mix, and everyone else was trying. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we'll just lose the rest of our games, and we'll get down to the seventh pick.
1: Yeah, if the play-in doesn't if the play-in doesn't matter to you, that's a tremendous advantage because yeah, basically because, you're saying we're either yeah. we either want to be in the top six or the bottom six, but we don't want to be in that in that middle four.
0: Exactly. Yeah, because you know Chicago and Sacramento are desperately trying to get within three games of the play-in so they can yeah. feel like they were competing for something all year, even though they, you know... I mean, we, we kind of saw this year of just, like, what being the 10th seed in that play-in gets you. You don't have much of a shot there, but... Um, exactly. All right, well, that that was interesting. You want to talk about... Uh, this is a, a smaller topic, potentially, but I want to talk about this out-of-bounds rule. Can we fix this?
1: Okay, great idea. Um, I think so. We've... So we got screwed by this rule a couple times in random regular season games where balls went out of bounds in that exact situation, and then you yep. look at the replay and like it was out off the other team, right? But you'll see, you know, Conley's hand is on the ball for one nanosecond longer. You called it Zapruder filming the uh, uh, the replay, and I think that's exactly right. I, th- I think they just have to restate it to that th- that if the if the defenders action and momentum was what caused the ball to go out of bounds and there is no sub- subsequent separate deflection by the offensive player that the offensive team retains the ball
0: well yeah so so now that uh university of virginia benefited from this rule you want to just go ahead and change it didn't um, that happen in like the national championship game they got like some some turnover on this rule and ended up winning as a result
1: so the part i remembered was the double dribble they didn't call on uh, ty jerome
0: i actually I, I don't even watch any college basketball anymore that was uh but 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 back to your suggestion i think that's it and actually i thought of this later on as i was recording yesterday that maybe the way you do it instead of like okay who gave it the momentum going out i think what you say is unless there's a subsequent touch you stay with the call on the floor like to overturn you ah. there has to be a subsequent touch
1: mm. That's that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, that, that's a really good way to phrase it. Yeah.
0: Well, John, we've talked about it a lot, and we've got this new segment now. We had a lot of excitement in this Phoenix Clippers game. And for anyone who watched the game, you can know that there can be only one thing that we would pick. Scott Foster overturning Zapruder filming that out-of-bounds call. Patrick Beverly tips it away from Devin Booker. Devin Booker's fingernail is on the ball for just a second longer after Beverly is tipped it that Scott Foster overturn is the Michelob Ultra moment of the week there's nothing that Scott Foster enjoys more than getting that direction from the NBA replay center knowing that the call is right down to the millimeter and reversing it. And likewise, there is nothing that you'll enjoy more than Nickelodeon Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Scott Foster, congratulations on giving us the Ultra moment of the week. If the last year has taught us anything it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with in that front area they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff and then you would go to that desk you probably had to wait in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted and then finally when you got up there you'd ask for your part and they'd say oh yeah we can order that it'll be here in two weeks well great i could have just stayed at home and used rock auto Got my part faster and saved a bunch of money. chain stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. What
1: what do you think about the other rule change, by the way, where they're going to, um, the intent is correct. They're trying to get rid of these garbage shooting valves. Uh, oh yeah! How, how you See this playing out.
0: Okay, so so let me just uh, state what this is. Uh, I think it was Shams uh, who reported it. So here here's what uh, his article said: The league will train officials to identify and adjudicate the following overt actions to initiate contact with defenders: when a shooter launches or leans into a defender at an abnormal angle; when a shooter kicks his leg up or to the side at an abnormal angle; when an offensive player abruptly veers off his path sideways or backwards into a defender uh these actions will now be officiated as either offensive fouls if deemed more than marginal or no calls if marginal uh in the same way uh okay yeah never mind so so that's uh that seems like what we're hoping for here, right?
1: Mostly, I'd say the one the one critique I have is that when they say a player stops and jumps backwards. So, these plays where I'll use Trey Young as the example, where he's going full uh, uh, speed around a pick and <laughs> yeah, exactly. When he's going full speed around a pick and then he stops suddenly and jumps up, he actually is not jumping backwards. He is no. stopping and he is, he is no longer going forward, but he is not going backwards. He is just waiting for the other player to continue going forwards and truck him. And so that still should be a shooting foul on that. And I, I wonder how that one will be
0: enforced. So what, why should that still be a shooting foul? Just because he's going straight up. Why
1: wouldn't it be? He stopped and went straight up. It's not his fault. Well, the because
0: guy. it's a bullshit shot. He's not actually attempting to shoot a shot that will make the basketball go into the basket and count for two points for his team. I
1: I, I, dis- I disagree with that. He's going up, he's facing the basket, and he's, going, and he's going straight up. I agree he's doing it more in an intent to draw the foul. I can't argue that. But, like... <laughs> that that I, 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 I guess I see that as much less of a bullshit play than some of the other stuff they're correctly trying to enforce out of the game.
0: Yeah, and uh, I would consider that uh, abnormal. I would consider that like not really a basketball play, which is kind of what they're trying to get rid of. Um, and also sometimes he's obviously like going into the guy or like leaning backwards and stuff. But uh, you know, th- would that be veering off of his path? Yeah, you yeah, know, maybe. I mean, I think that one—that one is probably more the Chris Paul. I'm gonna injure Anthony Davis by just cutting in front of him as he's innocently jogging back on defense. Yeah, you know, that's, exactly. That's the one that, so that really has to yeah, go. Yeah.
1: Um, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess abnormal is the key here. So, like, it's all, you know, they send out that video at the start of the year at the points of education. And so I'll just be interested to see what's actually on that. Because this is really going to be just about what the examples are to determine what is considered abnormal. But to me, abnormal is you're not actually. T- I am taking this shot to try to draw the foul rather than I am trying to actually make a shot that has a decent chance of going in the basket. Like, if you, if Trey Young didn't know that that guy was behind him and he wasn't going to be rewarded with two free throws by doing that, he doesn't, he doesn't do that move, right?
1: Yeah, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff you do because, because you know the position of the defender.
0: Yeah, but you're still, you're still like, Things that where the primary intent of this is to make the referee blow his whistle. That's what I don't really care for. Now, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. The other one that's interesting, too, is okay let's say you pump fake the guy in the air from three and then you know he's gonna land on you and so you got to kind of lean into him at least a little bit otherwise you're just gonna get killed you know yeah like like that one to me i think though if the guy was gonna land on you anyway then i think you're okay to get the shooting foul if there's only contact because you took a a just comically large step in or to the side then i think that's the one they got to get rid of
1: yeah but like if you do a fairly regular up and under and in the process of your step you go into the guy's path who jumped like that's that to me is a normal basketball play and that should be a free throw or two free throws
0: yeah but I mean I, I love that they're trying to take care of this obviously you can't do an absolutely perfect job there's going to be controversy about no that really was normal okay how do you know it's normal yeah but yeah, but I would rather have to worry about that than just watching bullshit for 10 possession games yeah
1: yeah Somebody, uh, somebody at the league office is sweating having to uh, cut these points of education and find non-Trey Young examples. <laughs> oh, no, like, I, oh I, can't, I, can't use, I can't use Trey. I already used him in the first three clips. Like, shit. Got to... right. I, I mean, they're going, like, tw- going through like Going through like 20 Cleveland-Orlando games trying to find one example.
0: Um, yeah like Don- Donovan Mitchell uh will do that you know coming off the screen sometimes I mean that's that's the one that's the hardest to referee right now is getting over a screen and whether it's an illegal screen and whether the guy hit the ball handler trying to get space to go over the screen like people always say it's block charge that's the hardest I think that one it's pretty easy at this point even if they're too lenient I think in the yeah. direction of of calling it's it a charge. De-
1: when the guy gets, he's trying to get his arm around the screen and then he hits the dribbler and the dribbler goes up and tries to get three shots out of it. The, the Lillard play, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, hard. And there, there's a lot of guys who have, uh, Lou Williams. Lou Williams might have been the ultimate at that back back in the day. Any uh, playoffs thoughts? What, what else we got? We got like 20 minutes left here. So should we, uh, uh, who's, we your, should uh, about- who's your NBA champion? I, we haven't even talked since like a, this crazy weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I I would say I would say Bucks Nets delivered right a, amazing finish. I think Milwaukee will win the championship now. I think they are they are, they are
0: my pick. I could see the Suns like Suns Bucks will be a, a good series a real series. I, agree I think with that these uh, these conference finals are like like Phoenix and the Clippers last night. Like if you just look at the personnel that was on the floor, that was like two forty eight win teams playing each other. <laughs> Like a, a nice four or five series in the first round, very competitive, very exciting. Enjoyed the mm-hmm. game, but also like not the high level of basketball that you hope for in the conference final.
1: A little bit, a little bit of a come down from Milwaukee Brooklyn, certainly, right?
0: Well, yeah, and even even that series, you've got you know Milwaukee was playing extremely poorly offensively, uh, and Brooklyn had one guy who could initiate any kind of offense. Who just happened yeah. to be the best player in the world. But
1: But I, I did think it was a high level series in the terms of like there were so many guys who got played off the floor as that thing went on. But like yeah. that was a little bit of a signal to me, like, okay, this is pretty good.
0: No, yeah, that, that's a good point, right? Like, it, uh, Although, but maybe maybe there's some players in that for the Clippers who should be played off the floor that Ty Lue just doesn't realize
1: he <laughs> Well, I think Ty Lue is playing the long game a little bit in the sense, I mean, they, they needed to win last night. Uh, so, I, I think maybe they overplayed that a little bit. But just these guys are so, like paul george to me especially is running on fumes right now uh because they played back-to-back seven game series and have had basically no they haven't had two days off after a game since like game four of dallas and they've been playing their starters 40 plus minutes in a lot of these games especially at the at the end of those two series they're they really you know going loading up everyone 40 41 and these are like guys in their 30s so I think he had a lot of not very good options heading into this series. Uh,
0: well, Marcus Morris being hurt to kill them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. So to not have him as an innings eater either, now you're really in some tough situations. I thought he had a creative solution to say, okay, I'll play Beverly and Zubats at the same time so Beverly can chase, you know, chase over the screen and be some kind of deterrent and I'm not just letting a guy go one-on-one against Zubats. I, ju- I yeah. just wonder. He see he does seem reluctant though to really go all in on the five smalls against these guys.
0: Well, to only play Batum sixteen minutes like Batum might have been their third best guy in the playoffs. Yeah, that was really weird to me to, to play him as little as they did. And you know I thought Zubats was solid. Um, but yeah, I mean not having Morris so, because like he's only going when he goes small. He's going small with like Rondo and Kennard together. I mean like the the yeah. point of going small is like you have some decent size at all the positions or at least with. Bever- some toughness, and you can switch. But then you know they're getting killed by Dario Saric posting up in the paint because they've yes. got they're going small with like three guards, which that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, yeah, I mean that I I think the Suns are are just a better better team obviously when Paul comes yeah. back uh Kawhi doesn't seem like that's that's gonna happen Woods reported that the, the other day so we're gonna shift into talking playoffs here our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it and at 2.6 carbs to 95 calories we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season I guess yeah. we could also uh but yeah I think like Suns Bucks would be an awesome series you have the Bucks winning pretty easily in that Hawks series I actually haven't had a chance to read your preview yet
1: yeah, so I picked the Bucks in five. Me too. Uh, I Atlanta in the conference finals reminds me of a little bit of us being in the conference finals, or Portland being in the conference finals, or like looks like okay, you had a you had a great year, everything everything kind of maxed out for you and, and worked out fantastic, but now you're kind of a little bit above your your level here, uh, at least for now. I, I mean, I think Atlanta's future is looking really bright when you look at their their cap sheet and the number of guys they have in their their 20s and the fact that Hunter and Reddish basically haven't played this year. Uh, but in in this series, yeah, I, th- I think they're a little overmatched. I think especially that Gallinari, Collins, and Capella trio playing together that they were able to get away with against Philadelphia because they knew Simmons wouldn't shoot. They can't do that against the Bucks, I don't think. And so now you're looking at instead of Gallinari being on the floor, it's either Solomon Hill or it's Lou Williams or it's Bogdanovich on one leg uh, or you know you're you're just looking at a different set of options now in this series it just strikes me as a very tough series for Atlanta and that drop coverage that Milwaukee plays uh, you know you go back and look at Milwaukee Atlanta play games over the last couple years it's worked pretty well against Trey.
0: Trey doesn't really shoot that three off the pick and roll very often right it, like he does just get a screen you, when, he,
1: when he does it he he does a reject
0: right, right? that's what I was just gonna say, fake, yeah.
1: going to say he'll fake going right pull it back to his left and then shoot, shoot the three that way but he's not shooting the three coming around the screen and saying, the big is too far back, I'm gonna pull up from right here. That's that's the shot that I think he can hurt Milwaukee with. And I do wonder if Atlanta tries to set screens for him like at half court so he can get a you know a, a running start at shots like that.
0: I'm guessing they won't because They didn't do it against Philadelphia, and they should have. Yeah. But, uh, no, I I think the only way the series stays close is if Milwaukee continues to have these kind of inexplicable offensive issues like they did against Brooklyn. Now, part of the reason for that was probably because they were playing P.J. Tucker over Bryn Forbes. So maybe they go back to Forbes, and maybe that'll give Atlanta even, a little bit of a place to hunt. But
1: even playing Connaughton, I mean, I yeah. think they should start Connaughton in this series because uh, then you match up better anyway. When you're looking at young Bogdanovich Herder on the perimeter, like you don't need PJ Tucker to guard Bogdanovich, do you? So but no. bring PJ Tucker off the bench as, as like your front court reserve, and then you can kind of keep keep Portis held back too, because Trey Young and Lou Williams are going to hunt Portis as soon as he checks in the game. So I, I think that's a better way for Milwaukee to play this. And then you're right. Then you can play Forbes more against this Atlanta team and, and get some shooting that way. Especially, like, if, if Solomon Hill checks in, like, Bryn Forbes should be at the scorer's table, right? Like, there's your hiding spot. Bam.
0: Yeah, and I, I like that. Yeah, starting Connors, I should have actually come up with that myself. because And then P.J. Tucker can just erase Gallinari on the second unit. Yeah. Which I think he's quite capable of doing. So, yeah. I, but if they so if Atlanta... Can stop Milwaukee and Milwaukee just shoots incredibly terrible from three, like they did again. Somewhat explained because they're more off the dribble than they would have liked. But you know, Drew Holiday, I think he's going to remember how to play offensive basketball again in this series. They have nobody to guard Chris Middleton.
1: That's the that's the big one for Atlanta. Yeah, you're looking to putting you're either putting Herder or Bogdanovich on him. Or you're turning to Solomon Hill and you're setting your offense on fire. Like, if they had DeAndre Hunter for this series, I think you at least have more of a case for Atlanta. Because now you have the matchup for Middleton and it's somebody who can play offense.
0: Yeah, and Bogdan not being healthy as well. Like you, you could say, hey, Milwaukee gives up a ton of threes. With Bogdan out there, they're a great three-point shooting team. They could bomb away. They'll win a couple of games that way. But yeah, without him, that's, a, that's definitely a concern. If you're hiring for your company, what you need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You don't need 500 candidates who just applied with no regard for what the actual qualifications are. You need Indeed instead. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can also use skill tests to winnow down the field of applicants and using indeed overall will on average reduce the amount of time you spend on hiring by 27 percent you only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and you can schedule and complete video interviews in your indeed dashboard they've got over 130 skills tests or you can even add your own according to talent nest indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined so you're getting the high quality candidates you're saving time and ultimately getting the applicants that are right for you. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked, the name of this network. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. We are brought to you today by Credit Karma, a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purposes. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. They've already given away over $3 million to over 50,000 members. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free, no minimum balance. No overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money, progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com winmoney. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank, Inc., member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limit supply um 15 minutes left here you want to talk a little bit about the off seasons for some of these vanquished teams yeah
1: yeah let's talk about uh Let's talk about Philadelphia <laughs> cuz that's what everyone wants to talk about.
0: I mean, everyone does.
1: The second Simmons turned down that shot, just the instant light bulb in my head, was like I'd been thinking this anyway, but it just went from like 70% to 100% for me, like there's no way they can bring this guy back anymore. Like like the the instant that play happened, like while the game is still going on, it's just like it, that that's it. Like that's <laughs> that, that's that's uh, game over right there like there's just there's something there that I think isn't going to get fixed in Philadelphia
0: yeah and uh, you know Simmons makes the all-star team every year and second in defensive player of the year even though I would I wouldn't have had him that high I don't think really in this day and age any perimeter player should be that high for regular season defensive player of the year and he's also not really a great help defender so uh, you, so like the idea of, you want to play Ben Simmons at center but you, he can't really be that defensively You know, if 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 we were talking about Draymond Green defensively, and then what he is offensively, I think you could you kind of live with that, and also his trade value would be higher. But it just you know are we talking about like a 6'10 uh, Marcus Smart who can't shoot now is that sort of, that's like what Ben Simmons is I mean, yeah, in the regular think, season maybe not but
1: I think the thing with Simmons is that you can leverage him a lot more if you don't have Embiid like if you yeah. if you have four shooters and you can use him as a screener or as like a fake five basically and do yeah. some stuff with him that way uh, you know where the, the middle of the floor is more open I, I think that opens some possibilities with him that you that you don't have right now the way that team is constructed. I mean, to me, the essential the essential issue is that Simmons and Embiid are not truly complementary pieces. And so if you're Philadelphia, which one do you maximize? Well, duh, you maximize Embiid, right? I mean, he's, when healthy, he is arguably the best player in the league. So that's the one you maximize. Uh, and to me, that means you have to turn around and try to get value for Simmons. And it's hard because you're looking for value that helps you win now. But I th- I think deals will be out there for him. He's signed for a few more years. You may not love the money, but he is signed. He's pretty young still. And I think other teams are intrigued by him and the fact that he could be better in a different situation.
0: Yeah, if the money weren't just so high, you would feel a little bit better about it, I think. But yeah, so I guess the question that's going to come to mind for me is how much are they going to be willing to swallow their pride to bring him back? Because I, I agree with you. I think Honestly, I would try to move him for, like, anything that's even remotely reasonable, Just the pieces that will fit better. Because you, you have to give Joel Embiid a chance to work with real NBA spacing around him. And with a real perimeter player who can run this play, it's called a pick and roll. You ever heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> um, is like good good at that play um and also also someone who can like you know enter the ball to him as well right like someone who's a good passer who can get the ball into the post to him when you know they're like slightly fronting him or whatever like they don't even have that guy right because simmons he's a good passer but if he tries to enter the ball that he'll just be in his man will just be in Embiid's lap and he can't do it um but the question is okay, you know, the CJ for Ben Simmons thing, That's that's been pointed out there. You know, would Portland do something like that? I mean, that's that seems like one of the higher end things that they could get for him at this point. Now, again, I've always been lower on Simmons. I don't know how much everyone is coming back to where I am on this right now, but like the type of team that would want Ben Simmons like doesn't really seem out there, right? Like, yes, he's under contract for a while, but I thought Houston's situation was perfect, right? Like Ben Simmons, if you're truly Rebuilding, like what do you want with Ben Simmons, right? If you're really in that rebuilding mode. So you're kind of looking for a team that's in that, like trying to get into the playoffs, or maybe kind of in the lower end of the playoffs, and they're not that many of those teams. One worth thinking
1: about is Simmons to the Knicks. Uh, and you're trading him into room basically. You need to do a three way trade, uh, and get a get a player back that way. Um Simmons and
0: Randall is an atrocious fit though. Yes. Who, and, and you but still I'm don't not, have any rim protection, right? So you need a center also to play. Tom, Tom Thibodeau is going to play a center. <laughs> yeah. So the,
1: the the reason I thought of that is partly because I think the Knicks, especially Thibodeau's uh, outlook on this sort of roster, is medieval enough that they that they might pursue this. Um, maybe, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Uh, the, the other one I think that is worth considering is Chicago for Zach Levine and Al Farouk where Levine is in the last year of his contract. There's some questions about whether he'd want to come back. If you're Chicago, do you really want to do a renegotiate and extend just to make him happy? You have Vooch there who, like, Vooch can be at the three-point line or at the elbow, wheeling and dealing, and he doesn't constrict Simmons space as much to do his thing. Uh, So I, I think that one's at least interesting.
0: Why do you want to do that as Chicago, though? Just because you don't believe in Levine at all? That's the idea?
1: If you don't believe Levine is going to be back there next year, that, that's the reason you do
0: it. Huh. And you're still operating as an over-the-cap team at that point. I just, I don't see where Ben Simmons and Nikola Vucevic is getting you. They'll have, like, zero offense on the perimeter. Like, you 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 got to have somebody who can be a perimeter attacking star, right? Like, I mean, then you're... On, you've on got a positive
1: s- note, v- Vuce is used to this.
0: <laughs> Even even then, though, like you know, John Isaac would stand outside the three point arc, <laughs> at least. But uh, well, because because if you if you do that trade, you're basically a worse version of the Sixers on offense because Vucevic isn't as good as Embiid, mm-hmm. and like Ben Simmons isn't going to make you good defensively just on his own with Vucevic and you know some other perimeter guys. Like I think you're clearly making your team way worse if you do that trade if you're the bull do you agree on that and it's just so it would just be like a contract thing we're going to lose them anyway or or do you not agree that they're worse if they make that trade
1: i mean i do think they'd be better on defense but yeah you hit you have to find a guard from somewhere that that's that's the challenge right you, you gotta you gotta come up with that piece with your and you're doing it with your mid-level exception and or laurie Markinen's bird rights so that i i agree that piece of it is challenging but but frankly the bulls general puzzle is challenging like i it's they're in a they're in a tough situation i think and and they kind of dug themselves a deeper hole with that trade i think that you would if you're in their situation you'd feel a lot better if you had a lottery pick right now than you do having booch for two years
0: no it's a it's a good point i mean i, I was not a fan of the trade when it, when it happened but i mean here's the other thing about trading levine too he's really improved a ton these last few years right like do you i agree at, at I his agree age with that, yeah. which is athleticism and then you're trading him for some Someone who uh, maybe hasn't quite shown the same level of improvement over (laughs) over the last few years? Is that safe to say?
1: Yeah, I think that's safe to say
0: well okay so Levine I mean what about the Portland angle what about uh CJ CJ for Simmons CJ also not a great contract but also not just a a, great contract, a, better a, fit. a
1: better fit like you're you know you're still pretty like your backcourt if you're CJ and Curry I mean there that's a lot of offense there I guess but you're defensively you're really not great um man I don't I still think you can do a little better than CJ there but yeah it's, I, it's I, tough I, the problem the problem when you get into high level players is that there just aren't that many of them and so you end up with some imperfect things right i'm sure what philadelphia is thinking is please bradley beale demand a trade please bradley beale demand a trade right um and and then you could do that with washington yeah
0: but but i One don't know things. that they would have the best package at that point right like i think yeah obviously beale would be an unbelievable fit there but i i don't think that Washington cause if beal they move on from beal i mean maybe the thought is like uh well with ben simmons and russell westbrook we can uh all jump on board again to chase the 10th seed next year is that the thought there
1: that's i mean that's the thought every year why wouldn't that be the thought
0: (laughs) oh man uh well at least you know they have someone to take all the shots that ben simmons wouldn't want to take but
1: but i mean uh, yeah yeah what do you think about i i don't like this one either ben simmons for d'angelo russell
0: yeah I mean I'm not a huge believer in D'Angelo Russell as your primary perimeter guy in the playoffs really hurts your defense as well when you're playing like a, a drop coverage I guess you're kind of relying on Thibel then as your perimeter stopper that's not going to help your offense too much either I mean the the fit in Minnesota wouldn't be bad though that's one of the better ones I mean you're still you, you know you're you're consigning Carl Anthony Towns to the same fate as Joel Embiid where it's like he's gonna have no space to work in the post but Carl is also a great shooter but but he'll just yeah. have to do more of that, which is he kind of wants to do anyway. We'll see, but, oh gosh. Yeah, I just, to, but the the crux of the question here to me is, Are let's say, you know, C.J. McCollum level of guy isn't available. Are you willing to go down to that next group? Say you sign, let's say they can sign and trade for Kyle Lowry and, with one of their first round picks. And are you willing to just move off of him for like a couple of starters who just fit a little bit better? who are not really, like, elite players.
1: Derek White and Devin Vassell? <laughs> like, something like that?
0: Oh, like, dude, I would that's... do that in a second as Philly. I, I know, Absolutely. as president
1: of the Derek White fan club, you would be all over Well, that.
0: but it's just, like, um, these are guys who just fit. Like, yeah. they they actually... But, yeah, I mean, something like that, you know, just so, for some of those Spurs guys or Keldon Johnson or, you know, that, that would be... And you would also... Because part of your problem is that your perimeter defense is going to get a lot worse. The other thing, too, is, like, it might be nice to not have tobias harris on the team anymore either because he sort of doesn't if you so this is like my fantasy was simmons for cj and then they sign and trade for lowry and then you've got lowry cj tobias harris and Embiid, and maybe because you got to kind of go utah jazz style ensemble cast around and like getting another superstar you're just probably not going to do that at this point simmons trade value how, is not how
1: high are for that. how are you signing trading for lowry
0: uh george hill would be the biggest part of it uh and i think they could just get under the hard cap yeah, like it, it that, would be close. yeah that
1: that hard cap is going to be an issue you yeah.
0: move move up you put your draft pick in there you probably would have to i mean maybe you would have to put seth curry in that deal just to save money obviously you would love to keep him but he's kind of superfluous if you've got cj and you've got Kyle lowry as well and he, you know, it maybe. also
1: cost. it also is going to end up costing you danny green
0: yeah no, it would that that would not to mention
1: case. Dwight Howard. How do you resign Dwight Howard? I mean, talk about a crucial player.
0: well, he might actually look a lot better on the second unit with like he can play some pick and roll. Uh, yeah so I I don't know like that that's my fantasy though I think that could be like a decent team but I think that's the best you can do around Embiid is just get some ball handling and shooting but Harris is like not a great fit to me with Embiid either right like you would rather have someone who's just kind of more focused on shooting and and you you need if you're moving on from Simmons now you need someone who can defend on the wing Theibel might be a little too limited there as a shooter I don't know they're they're in trouble I think they're they're in difficulty here yeah to be sure
1: yeah I do I do think trading Simmons at least lets you maximize whatever Theibel can be because right now like you play Theibel and Simmons together and you know may as well just punt the ball into the stands rather than try to run an offense no that
0: was the case in the Hawks series yeah yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, but I, I mean, I just wonder of whether like, yes, you and I both agree they have to trade him, but I mean, what is really the level where you're like, okay, we're going to hold on to him. This is too bad of an offer. So some have said, well, hey, at next trade deadline, he'll have like had a nice regular season and gotten out in transition and they'll have a nice record next year. And so you'll get more firm at the trade deadline. I don't think that's the case. I think you get more firm in the off season. It's just more teams are trying to trade. You have more teams that can delude themselves into thinking that they can be good next year, uh, yeah. teams out teams have cap space to absorb them you got extra roster spots like it's just easy like guys just get more value getting traded in the offseason to me it seems like
1: i think that's generally the case and then i think you also you eliminate some of the downside risk of like does he come into next season and he's still terrified to shoot a free throw and then things really start going sideways and now you're really eroding his trade value to the point where people look at that number and are like hell no and then you're then he's kevin love right so so you got it you got to take that scenario off the table if you're
0: Philly too yeah I view the magnitude of his downside next year to be far greater than the magnitude of his upside or maybe, or what if you come in and Embiid is hurt for part of the year and you're flubbing around at like you know the sixth or seventh seed around the trade deadline and you know that that's not going to increase his value either so yeah, I, I think I think you got to move him now because there's the chance that he just come becomes completely toxic, and it hopefully hasn't reached that point yet. I view that as a greater risk than the risk of oh we got too little for him because I just I don't think that. it. I don't think his value is going to go up that much. Everyone is going to remember these playoffs, like unless unless this oh Doc Rivers they're going to work with them and like you know may, maybe he'll work with someone other than his family this off season and like but do you really you want to you want to count on that after four years that he's going to come back. A change player next year i i wouldn't want to put my eggs in that basket either
1: yeah that is the smokiest of smoke screens to
0: me uh all right well this was fun thanks so much uh, for joining us and joining us on locker room or actually sorry spotify green room i should say as well and we will talk to y'all next week until then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh (laughs)